Luke chapter 2 and verse 22 and following, but I want to begin by reading the verse that really stands out to me tonight in this passage, and it's verse um, 30, where it says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And that's really what I want to get back to in a moment. The scene here is uh, a, a scene in the temple in Jerusalem, and the words that we see before us, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, are the words of a man that's uh, mentioned only once in the scripture, and his name is Simeon. And the occasion, we'll talk about in a moment, but he was holding Jesus in his arms. This picture kind of depicts that. Jesus at this time, according to the scripture, was only 40 days old. And as he's holding this infant, um, Simeon, he says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. It's an incredible thought as you ponder it. He's looking at this little baby saying, Mine eyes have seen thou salvation. Now, I don't know how it is for you. Um, ladies, I don't think, have the same um, paranoia that I have. But it's very awkward for me to hold a baby, even if it's one of our kids, even if it's a grandchild, because they seem just so small and so seemingly fragile. But Simeon knew that this baby was not like any other baby. He saw this baby as being salvation. That salvation would come to the world. And we're going to back up now and look in our Bibles and see some of the words that describe this occasion. Beginning in verse 22, if you have your Bible there, and it says, And when the days of her purification, talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. For this reason, for this purpose, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So Mary and Joseph, according to the prescription of the Old Testament, Luke chapter 12, I believe is where that, I mean Leviticus chapter 12, they were bringing their child, their male child, to the temple from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. Born in Bethlehem, and as I said, it's been 40 days. You might say, why 40 days? Because that was the time uh, directed in the Old Testament for the purification of a mother after she had had her, her son. And it's about a six-mile trip from where, that, where Jesus was born in Bethlehem to Jerusalem at the temple. And so they come to the temple. They enter the temple to fulfill their obligation according to the law, and to present him to the Lord. Uh, we mentioned this the other day. The customary offering, the customary thing that you'd bring at this time was a lamb for a burnt offering and either a pigeon or a um, turtle dove for a sin offering. And the, But if you didn't have a lamb, if you were too poor to have a lamb... 
then you could bring, you were to bring these two, two birds. And so if we see in our text here, in verse 24, it says, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So I mentioned this the other day. That really speaks of the poverty in Joseph and Mary's life because they couldn't afford a lamb. But they brought what the Lord told them to bring if they couldn't afford a lamb. And so there's the occasion. There's the scene. In verse 25, if you're looking in your Bible, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. Doesn't tell us if he lived in Jerusalem, but he was in Jerusalem at that time anyway. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel... And the Holy Ghost was upon him. So we don't know a lot about this man. This is the only time he's recorded in the Bible at this time of the dedication of Christ. But what we do know tells a lot about him. It tells us, for instance, in verse 25, that he was a just and a devout man. He was a godly man. Just means a man of truth, a man of integrity, a man of honesty, a just man. And a righteous man. He was a godly man. But it also says this about him in verse uh, 25 there. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Comfort, consolation. Now, that's a phrase uh, that you might not be familiar with. But the meaning is clear and obvious. He was waiting for the the Messiah to come. That's That's the hope and consolation of Israel. He was, this was a man, every Jew wasn't looking for the Messiah to come. The Jewish people were like us in some ways. They were preoccupied with their own traditions and their religion and all these kind of things, but not really looking for the promised Messiah. But this man was different. He was looking for the Messiah to come. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, watching and waiting for him to come and to redeem Israel. And it says in the last part of verse 25, very interesting phrase, the Holy Ghost was upon him. God was upon this man and God had shown him something. And let's look at that in verse uh, 26. And it was revealed unto him, unto Simeon by the Holy Ghost, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, a lot of people say, you know, God showed me this and I believe God's telling me this. We see a lot of that in our world. And that's what he said. He said, the Lord has made it clear to me that I'm not going to die until the Messiah comes. And so he's looking for the Messiah to come. The only thing about him is, that was different, is he really had heard from the Lord. God really had showed him something. The Jewish people, as we covered Sunday morning, have waited Thousands of years. The first promise of the coming of a Redeemer was in Genesis chapter 3. When the Lord spoke to the serpent and to the first sinners, Adam and Eve, about how the seed of woman would bruise the head of the serpent. So all these thousands of years, all these promises, down through the lineage The Messiah is going to come. You know, you ever have someone promise you they're going to be somewhere at a certain time or or, I think this is going to happen soon and it doesn't happen today or it doesn't happen tomorrow or, 
It doesn't happen in a week and you get to losing hope and think it's never going to happen. They've waited for thousands and thousands of years for this to happen. Just like people saying Jesus is going to come back and people kind of lose their vision. I can remember as a new Christian, 44 years ago, I can remember people talking about Jesus coming back. And you know what? I got excited about him coming back because they said it could happen any moment. That's 44 years ago. But I'll tell you, he, he still could come today. This man, though, he never lost his hope. He never lost his vision. He never lost his anticipation that the Messiah was going to come. And, and he, the Lord had told him he was going to live to see this happen. So on this particular day, if you're looking here in Luke chapter 2, it says in verse 27, And he came, Simeon came, by the Spirit into the temple. Now what does that mean, he came by the Spirit into the temple? It doesn't mean that the Spirit of God just picked him up and carried him. It means he was led by the Spirit. The Spirit directed him. The Spirit directed him on this day to go into the temple. And he did that. In verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, to fulfill their requirement, brought their sacrifice. Then, verse 28, and this is what's depicted in our picture, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and began to speak. He, Jesus was taken up in the arms of Simeon and he blessed God. Now, there's a lot about this we don't understand, a lot of it we don't need to understand. But to me, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to think about. Here's a man, an aged man, we presume, who's waiting on the Lord to come, who's anticipating the Lord to come, that God has said it's going to happen in your lifetime. And on this day, the Lord led him to go to the temple. The language seems to be that he was in the temple before Mary and Joseph came into the temple. And he's there, and when he sees... Mary and Joseph come in with this baby in their arms. He knew that was him. This is the one I've been waiting for. This is the baby that all Israel is looking for. I don't think a lot of them thought he would, they would recognize him as a baby, but this man was an unusual man. He had insight from the Lord. And that's what he says there in our text. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Now again... I'm, I'm a person that's kind of given to uh, using my imagination. And I, I try to imagine what that must have been like. You know, to see the very person that is going to bring salvation to mankind. To, and to see it in an infant. To see it in a child. And that's what we have before us. Let's read on a little further and we'll come back to that. Verse 30. Verse 31 says, he, there's... There's not, a, there's not a period at the end of salvation there when verse 30 says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared. Notice this. which thou has, This is Simeon's words. Which thou hast prepared for all the people. Now Simeon understood that this message of hope wasn't just for Israel. It was for all the people. Look what he, and he elaborates in verse 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Now again, he had keen insight because he knew the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah that he wouldn't just be for the Jewish race. 
but he would be for all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles. And he knew the promises of salvation was for all people. And by the way, the promise of salvation is for all people. It's not just for a select group of people. It's not just for a select nationality of people. It's for all people. It's not just select for an age group of people. It's for all people. And if you're here today and you're not saved, it's for you. It's for all people. And so, again, verse 33, just taking up the wonder of this moment, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. They were just taken with what with this man, Simeon, a total stranger to them, what this man was saying about their child, about the baby. And now Simeon, who's been speaking to the Lord, he blessed the Lord when he said... Um, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He wasn't talking about Mary's salvation. It was God's salvation that God provided. But now his attention turns to Joseph and Mary, and I think particularly to Mary. Look with me if you would and think about these words. If you don't have your Bible, just think about these words. And Simeon blessed them, Mary and Joseph, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. Now that's not a real positive, encouraging message. He said, "This your child is set for the fall and rising again of many. Now... I don't know if you've ever thought about this, moms, or anybody who's here, what it must have been like to have Jesus as your child. But I know that Jesus brought great joy to his mother and to Joseph and to his family and to his community. We don't have to know everything he did to know that he was a, not only a good child but a godly child and a positive influence. But imagine the pain you have never thought about this, just to do this for a moment this afternoon. Imagine the pain that this mother would feel by being the mother of Jesus, what she would go through. Imagine the pain of hearing him criticized. Once he became of age, once he began his ministry, he was, criti- he was critical. Imagine the pain of not understanding him. Remember when he's 12 years old and they traveled to Nazareth to observe the, from Nazareth to Jerusalem to observe the Passover. And they'd gone two days back home and Jesus wasn't in the company and they're really paranoid about it. And where is he? And they finally find him and days have passed and they're in a frantic mode of, of, of turmoil in, internally. And they, and they find him, found him and, he's, and just what Jesus said to his mother. And he wasn't being disrespectful. But he said, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? I mean, I'm doing what the father wants me to do. Imagine what it would be like to be the mother of Jesus. But then, as you get closer to the cross, imagine watching your son being rejected and watching him being mocked and falsely accused and beaten, the scourging they put upon him. She was there when they nailed him to the cross. Jesus looked down from the cross and said to John, the beloved, Behold your mother, and to 
her, behold your son. Imagine watching that happen to your son. Your perfect son who never backtalked, never rebelled, never disobeyed, only went about doing good, healing people, teaching people, trying to make people's lives better. And this is a part of what Simeon is saying to her when he says here in verse 34, This child is set for the fall and rising again of many of Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. There'll be, there'll be a lot that you're going to have to endure as his mother. Many people would not receive him. And look at the last verse, verse 35. Yea, a sword, speaking to Mary, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. You're going to feel this maybe more than anybody else would. You're going to feel this pain. And what is the, what is the end result, though? Look at the last part of verse 35. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Think about that. All these things are going to happen. Simeon is saying this to Mary. You're going to, you're going to have agony in your heart. You're going to, your heart is going to be thrust through with pain. But the end result will be that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That people will see in their heart the thing that God wants them to see. The price that he would pay would be uh, to bring salvation to people's lives. You know, you know, it's only through Jesus that my heart, my own heart, could ever be revealed. I couldn't see what I was like without him. I didn't know, I didn't know what I was. With, I, didn't, I thought, I, you know, I knew I wasn't a, a church-going person. I knew I wasn't a, a, a good person by men's standards. But I didn't see myself the way God saw me. I could never see myself. And Simeon is saying to her, what, what you're going to go through, and what this baby, this baby that you're holding your hands, what this baby's going to go through, is the necessary price that the hearts of many can be revealed. And it's very true. He, Jesus, hey, Jesus didn't come to approve the way we live. Jesus didn't even come to improve the way we lived. Jesus came to change us. He came to change our lives. He came to reveal to us how much we need Him. I don't know if you ever feel this way, and I'm not talking about having a critical spirit or being judgmental, but I don't know if you ever feel this way, that it just sort of troubles you that people don't seem to be more devoted to Jesus. But it troubles me. It, it concerns me. I don't understand it. Why people live as though these things aren't really all that important. And what Jesus came to do was to reveal to us the spiritual needs of our life. And that's, that's what was necessary for salvation to be brought. Because he, he and He alone, young person, only He can change a person's heart. As parents, moms and dads, we try to teach our children the right thing. We try to point them in the right direction. We try to show them what the Bible says. We ought to as parents. We ought to open up our Bibles, teach our children what the Bible says. But you know, we can't change a person's heart. My mother was truly one of the most godly women I've ever known. For a whole life that I knew her and remember until she died 
But my dad was not a God-fearing man. And you'd think, well, surely since she loved the Lord, it's, no, only God can change a person's heart. She couldn't change his heart. You can't change another person's heart. Only God can change a person's heart. And that's what Jesus came to do. I, I focus back on that verse just for a moment. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. You know, uh, for some who may be here that aren't saved, I just want to just, just put this thought in your mind. Um, one of the greatest things that can happen to a person is for them to start seeing themselves as they are. A lost sinner. Separated from God. You know why Jesus died on the cross? Because of my sins. Because of your sins. You might think, well, what a pity that he had to die. He, some, he had to die for your sins. He had to pay for your sins. And when we see that, it changes the way we look at ourselves and changes the way we look at salvation. So let's, let's close, close out by looking again at what we see in verse 30. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He says to God, mine eyes have seen your salvation. This baby, not this picture on the wall, but this baby, Jesus, is God's salvation. It's the only salvation God has. The only one. There, it's, there's not a multiple... Choice, many plans, there's only one salvation. I know people kind of get nervous about that and, and kind of re rebel against that, but this is the only salvation there is. Mine eyes have seen God's salvation. Mine have seen thy salvation. And Jesus is that. Religion is not salvation. Good works is not salvation. Self-improvement is not God's salvation. Jesus is God's salvation. And first and foremost, first and foremost, that speaks salvation, the word salvation, which is found, by the way, over 500 times, either saved or salvation or words like that, are found over 500 times in the Bible. And we most often think about that in terms of regeneration, being born again. And Jesus is salvation. And if you're, if you're looking here to be, you want to be saved, you want to go to heaven, you want to know your sins are forgiven, Jesus is the answer. Not the church, not good works, it's Jesus. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And so I would urge you today, I would admonish you today, say, man, that's what I want. I want Jesus in my life. I need salvation. But the word salvation sometimes refers to more than just that conversion that experience. God's salvation is his, is his comfort. It's His deliverance. It's His strength. It's His victory. You say, boy, I just wish I could get victory in this area of my life. Jesus is salvation. I just wish I had the help that I need to go through my problem. Jesus is our helper. He is our comfort. I wish I had somebody to console me. Jesus is our salvation. He's no longer a baby, as we know. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And this salvation is available to all who will receive it, who all who will come to him. If you're here today and you're not saved, I urge you, turn to Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you're looking for anything else to satisfy you, anything else to give you meaning and purpose in life, you're looking for the wrong thing if you're not looking for those things in Jesus Christ.